Welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. Hello, my name is Matt Kirkner, your host for the Tech Ed Podcast. And 37 years ago, I was still a kid. My next door neighbors, John and Marianne Cherokino, traveled to Germany. They returned with a bag of gold. Actually, even better than gold if you're a 14-year-old kid. Their gift to both my brother and to me, huge bags of Haribo gummy bears. And I have been a fan of today's guests' products ever since. Permit me another story. As part of our work, we travel all over the United States, visiting with innovators, employers, educators. And last week, I had a meeting in Chicago, Illinois, and my route there took me through southeast Wisconsin. What is going up there right along I-94 in Kenosha County is incredible. A 130-acre center for, as Haribo puts it, joy and quality the kind of joy and quality that produces 4,200 jobs for the people of Southeast Wisconsin. As today's guest recently shared, an investment of well over $300 million in a state-of-the-art facility. Again, in his words, the largest project in our 100-year history. How awesome is it for the Tech Ed podcast to be joined by Wes Saber, the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Haribo of America. His background is impressive, with time spent at KPMG, Americana, Mars, and for the last six years, Haribo. This is a person who has done business all over the globe. His company's products can be found in more than 100 companies, and he brings vast insights to our discussions about business expansion, skilled talent, and technical education. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Wes Saber to the Tech Ed Podcast as we begin with this question. So Wes, Haribo is an international organization and you have personally done business in countries all across the globe. Haribo chose Wisconsin for its first North American plant. What drew you to Pleasant Prairie? So actually, we've been through a detailed process, selection process of our site in so many different states in the U.S., and we've looked over 112 different sites. And Pleasant Prairie and Southeast Wisconsin stood out in terms of location on the Milwaukee-Chicago corridor. It's a big hub as well for the confection industry. Pleasant Prairie, Southeast Wisconsin has been great in terms of support in the selection process and during the construction and even post the project, which is really, we found impressive. I think the work that has been done all the way from the state, uh, Wisconsin Economic Development, MMAC, Milwaukee 7, Kenosha Business Alliance, the village of Pleasant Prairie, and uh, all the education institutes, namely Gateway College, University of Wisconsin Parkside. I think the welcome the information, the data that was provided was key for us. And of course, in Wisconsin, there has been historical heritage to our German roots as well. Uh, and that definitely helps. But we're, uh, we're very proud to call Pleasant Prairie and Southeast Wisconsin home. 
we're a privately owned business and when we make those decisions it was not really based on how much the incentive would be not at all it was not even a big variable in the decision making we've been offered more incentive from other states but definitely Pleasant Prairie Wisconsin was the home that we wanted to have our first North America facility in so certainly that culture in the in the state of Wisconsin you mentioned the German heritage Haribo with an amazing German heritage, Matt Kirkner with an amazing German heritage as well. Certainly proud to be uh, at least about 50% German myself. You know, we're really excited here in the state of Wisconsin to be welcoming Haribo to our state. And that is certainly true of me, many, if not all of the citizens of the state of Wisconsin, and also to the technical educators across our state and across the Midwest, the people who are preparing students for careers and everything from welding to CNC machining to computer science, we are all familiar with Haribo's gummy bears, but we may not necessarily be familiar with how you make those. We're familiar with other manufacturing processes, but we have a question for you, Wes, here today, and that is how exactly do you make a gummy bear and what does that process look like? Well, some of that is a long uh, kept trade secret because as you know, we are a 100 years old run business and we celebrated that 100 years recently uh, with the bridges in Milwaukee lit in Goldberg colors. But what I can tell you that we use traditional starch molding process, which is a tray full of starch that would be stamped with the shape of gummy and then the mixture fill that mold. After that, the mixture solidify and the mold are inverted and the candy separated from the starch. However, of course, all the uh, experts in our confection industry knows there is more into this about the quality of the product, but we pride ourselves that we have the best gummy brand in the world. Over a hundred years, we've never ever compromised in our quality or ingredients or try to save money or improve our recipe to save money. We never did that. We offer our consumer globally the best product ever. So a century-long track record of making a very, very high-quality product. Again, as we mentioned, a company with its roots in Germany. I've heard a little bit about your plant in Germany, that it's, that it's huge, that the processes and technology that are embedded there are incredibly advanced. What can you share with our audience as you look to expanding here in the state of Wisconsin about your plant in Germany? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, in the world of manufacturing in general, I think the digitization and industry 4.0, keeping a manufacturing facility agile and flexible versus being lean, it's the, the edge that every single company look for. And we were fortunate to open our uh, factory in Germany, and it's the crown of the technology we use. Of course, from robotics to machine-to-machine communication, it's a state-of-the-art facility. And associated to that, not only the manufacturing process, the supply facility, which is the highest and largest fully automated warehouse in Europe. It's actually cream de la cream of state-of-the-art technology and that handles close to 100,000 pallets, including the management of first-in, first-out and invoicing. And we would be looking forward to replicate some of that learning here in our project in Pleasant Prairie. So really only one company in all of Europe can boast the largest and fully automated warehouse. On top of my mind, that's around 170 feet high. Wow. 170 foot high 
warehouse and, and totally full of unbelievable technology. You mentioned digital technology, you mentioned industry 4.0 technology. And, and Wes, as you're looking to expand here in the Midwest in the state of Wisconsin, can you give us some examples of advanced manufacturing technology and industry 4.0 technologies that would be found in your facility in Germany and will be found in your facility here in the United States? I would start with one very important thing that businesses would look always of is fully automation and fully automated is the right answer or is it being flexible and manual and lean is an answer. That's always the difference between side to another, between business to another. And to talk about this in our facility in Wisconsin here, we will be looking like, uh, for example, remote controlled vehicles that we would have in the conversion and moving our product, whether it's raw material or finished goods, that's fully automated. We will have machine to machine communication. We would need talent in our business that would be able for handling big data, lifetime data, troubleshooting, coding, programming, being able to manage robotics. And this complexity is only the answer of what the need for talent is. And I want to emphasize on the talent needed to operate an industry 4.0 because this is endless options and solution of how you can operate your business. The facility on Pleasant Prairie will be a big step forward based on our learning in our Germany factory that we just opened three years ago. So we will pride ourselves that we're going to have another state-of-the-art facility in North America. Fantastic. And I have to tell you, for someone with the letter CFO and Chief Financial Officer, after their name, certainly you have a command of the Industry 4.0 technology that will be alive and well in your facility, including things like remote-controlled vehicles. I love the idea of machine-to-machine communication, big data, of course, and data analytics being a huge part of that model as well. I have a confession to make, and that's actually that I also have a financial background. I'm a certified public accountant and started my career on the uh, controller and CFO side before kind of getting into the technology side. So uh, you and I, I think, are both both proof that we can recover from that and, and actually understand technology that's alive and well in manufacturing. It's interesting the the time that I spent in manufacturing, and I've been on the education side for now five or six years, so maybe predated a little bit the industry 4.0 wave that we're now seeing across the globe, but amazing technology changes in manufacturing. And given that, you know, I think there are still some outdated and inaccurate perceptions of manufacturing that might prevent our students from pursuing the high demand and high skilled careers that you're talking about at Haribo's new facility here in the United States. How do you think, Wes, that advanced manufacturing and companies like Haribo can help change the perception of manufacturing careers for students that are considering this career path? Absolutely. That's a, that's a very important point. And actually, that connects with the value of who we are as a company. And when I said that we're proud to call Southeast Wisconsin and Pleasant Prairie home, that has more meaning into it. We embarked on a partnership journey with University of Wisconsin Parkside, offering scholarship, continuous education for veterans, and offering more opportunity for the ability to continue education. We've done the same thing with the Gateway College, who would be really offering an opportunity to hundreds of people to a technical education, and not only at the university level, but as well at high school. We've done the same thing with Carter College, and we're doing as well a partnership with Marquette. On top of that, we are trying to sponsor two high schools in Kenosha County. There's two high schools in Racine that offer the opportunity to high school students 
to technical education and manufacturing and be able to have a choice on what career path and what their passion can be. There is endless option of exciting career in front of high school students as well as college students in the future. And we started that journey already even before we built our first building. We started two years ago and we are very, very involved with the educational institution here in Wisconsin. And that endeavor, I think, really shows the true vision that Haribo has as you're building these amazing partnerships with education institutions across southeastern Wisconsin and across the Midwest and building really, really solid partnerships. Now, as just one example of those partnerships, Wes, it was recently announced that Haribo contributed a quarter million dollars, $250,000 to the Gateway Technical College Foundation Promise to Finish program. I actually serve on the Gateway Technical College Foundation board. And so I was I was certainly a part of hearing that news. And that was incredibly great news. I know that's just one of many of such endeavors and many such investments that you're making here in southeastern Wisconsin. Tell us specifically about the Promise to Finish initiative and your support of that. And also if there's any other examples of your benevolent uh, activities here in the state of Wisconsin, we'd love to hear about that as well. Absolutely. To put the number to the size of what we're doing, we put $3.2 million especially in year 2020, the pandemic year, which put a lot of stress on the educational systems in our community. And we found no better year to do more. And our agreement with Gateway College at the top of that. Gateway Technical College had that great idea. And we were actually just to support to kickstart that program with other partners. And I encourage and invite other partners and corporate businesses and organizations to contribute. I think the target for Gateway College to engage and attract over 300 for technical education. This is a challenge for the state of Wisconsin to not only attract talent, but as well build talent. And there is a lot of opportunities in the state of Wisconsin to build talent and build capability. Of course, we need to attract talent and Wisconsin need to be a place that encourages and compete nationally. But looking at veterans, looking at developing of the community and offering opportunities, that would be really a big impact, not only on the economic impact of the state, but as well social impact on the state. And Gateway College, I really congratulate Dr. Brian Albrecht, you on the board of Technical College, you're doing something really exceptional. Gateway College has been one of the reasons why we came to Southeast Wisconsin. And Dr. Brian himself was involved in providing Wisconsin Economic Development and Haribo and all the parties with the information about why Southeast Wisconsin is great option for manufacturing. And we certainly, uh, on our end, owe a great debt of gratitude to Dr. Brian Albrecht, the president and CEO of Gateway Technical College, certainly for everything he does for Southeastern Wisconsin and for technical education across America, and particularly for introducing us to Wes Saber, who is the executive vice president and the chief financial officer of Haribo, talking today on the TechEd podcast about the amazing investment that Haribo is making in the United States in southeastern Wisconsin. I want to talk a little bit, Wes, as you plan your workforce for this amazing new plant that you're building in Pleasant Prairie. I have to believe there are a lot of different avenues that you're going down to make sure that you have the right talent that you need in this world of Industry 4.0. Can you tell us about how engaging adult learners is a key part of your recruiting strategy as you move forward? So actually, we already started some work about being open to the community, and we hosted the over 15 internships from Wisconsin during even their college time. They are not even graduated yet. 
And we believe that this is a very good opportunity for us to know the community and for the community to know our business. So we are active with the educational institution on campus. And as well, we support the sports part of it. So we have a big initiative with the University of Wisconsin Parkside. We sponsor their athletic program and we try to offer on top of that internship opportunities for them. And we hosted already the first two wave and we plan to continue to do that. As well, outside of universities, when we talk about like veterans or coming to the opportunity, we would look to evaluate more options. We sponsor a big initiative with Milwaukee, Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce with the President Tim Sheehy is Region of Choice. And Region of Choice is a, a very, very strategic program until 2025 that would encourage diversity and inclusion in the state of Wisconsin. We were one of the first companies to pledge participation and sponsorship in that program that give opportunities for our African-American community and Hispanic community and veteran and make sure that we are playing an active role in giving that opportunities to everyone, not only in colleges, but everywhere. And isn't everybody the beneficiary of that? Certainly those communities uh, that may have historically been underserved that you're reaching and providing amazing opportunities for the individuals of those communities. So that's a, that's a huge benefit. And Harbo will benefit as well, correct? From this new pool of talent, from additional opportunities to bring in, whether it's a student learner, an intern, an adult learner, somebody who's transitioning from military service and so on. So a very comprehensive strategy that you are undertaking in terms of building your workforce. And it's certainly very impressive. You know, as we think about preparing the workforce of the future, Wes, and we're doing that at many, many different levels, you know, I want to talk a little bit about STEM and technical education here in the United States. You're somebody who's traveled the globe. You've done business uh, all over the planet. You've seen many different approaches to how we prepare young people for careers in advanced manufacturing and in STEM. As you look at that mode of education here in the state of Wisconsin, here in the United States, if you could choose one thing that you would change about the current state of STEM and technical education, what would that one thing be? I think the scope and the reach is definitely a big opportunity. And I want to put a contrast to that. In Germany, and we are a German company, there is a VET, the vocational educational training system. Statistics say that 47% of German holds a technical education. Vocational education is kind in between high school and college. Even if they hold a college education, 47 of them still has gone through the VET education. And this compared to, don't quote me on the number, but I think like two, three years ago, there was a a statistic that we we have around 190,000 apprenticeships in the U.S. So just to put contrast into the size of the impact, I think that would represent the biggest opportunity. There are problems like when we talked about like the high schools in Racine and Kenosha. I think Haribo won't move the needle, but we can set an example of other companies who can make a difference. And I know there is a lot of technical leaders and education masters and teachers. And I, th- I just want to tell them the opportunity is, is massive. And that's the good part of it, but doesn't need only the teacher or only the educational systems alone or the companies alone really require a lot of collaboration and resources. And that's what we need. That's what needs to change really in technical education. 
Absolutely. So collaboration and resources, you certainly won't get any argument out of us. I know you won't get any argument out of our technical education community. I think it will be interesting to see in the next four years that we're going to see tremendous investment in the United States behind apprenticeships. And I think we will start to see uh, that change a bit. You say that you can't move the needle. I would actually have to beg to disagree with you. I think that that one company with the type of leadership that you're showing can move the needle. And I, and I think we're looking forward to seeing what that looks like as, as uh, your process here in the state of Wisconsin moves forward, because I think a new approach to technical education and providing so many different opportunities for these students is going to make a huge difference. And, and you will be a huge, huge part of that, Wes. I have one final question for you as we're, we're chatting here, and it has to do with technology, particularly in the area of supply chain automation and related technologies. As you know, the, the area where you or your plant will be located is, is certainly strategically located from a supply chain standpoint, from a distribution and logistics standpoint. And there are many other global companies that have, that have located huge distribution facilities there. We're seeing here in the state of Wisconsin, in the United States, a much higher degree of interest in supply chain automation and the technologies that go along with it. Is automation affecting your warehousing and distribution strategy at this point in time? Well, absolutely. Just want to give a little bit of a global context of where we are in Q1 2021, post 2020, which is the peak of the pandemic. There is a major shortage globally in ocean freight, container availability, uh, route changes, major spikes in prices and rates. Not only that, in terms of the transportation systems in the U.S., distribution systems in the U.S., so our product, for example, would go to our key customer like Walmart and Target and Costco and Dollar Channel. And that's now a map that looks red everywhere in every single state with a rate increase of over 20% in some states. So that takes me to the first one point that there is no longer the models that we had or the data we had is valid for the time we have. So the ability to have analytics and handling big data, make life decisions, make corrections to your supply chain network, that would definitely impact the availability and distribution cost of the business. Taking that all into a box that's called a warehouse and the automation, if the automation is not flexible enough to support that kind of volatility in the market and spike and changes in the supply chain network, that would be a problem. In our industry, we would say if 60-70% of the business is not full pallet or full truck shipments, there is no point of automation. It would be very expensive. And here is that always the question, how much do you want to invest in technology versus how much growth or profitability you get? And that's a moving piece. It's not fixed all the time for all the companies. So it depends on industry. But in our industry, between 60, 70%, we have fully automation warehouses. And the other 30% would need flexibility. And that means, let's call it like lean production lines or lean uh, warehousing operation flexible staffing and organization. So there is a lot of technology. If you want to use robotics or remote vehicle, remote controlled vehicles, for example, you want to invest, of course, in the infrastructure. You want to invest in robotics. You want to invest in capability. You want to attract talent who can program and code. But if you set up all of this and you end up saying that's too expensive, that's not really what fits our business. The summary of what I'm saying is in, when we talk about the automization of a warehouse, there is an investment in technology that is important. It's no longer an option. We must do it. The question is at what scale and how the business grows at scale. But there is always a level of flexibility and manual work that would exist that needs to be at the right level, not too much, not too little. 
which really strikes the perfect balance for our technical educators that are on with us today. Certainly the importance of automation, the importance of innovation, the importance of driving cost out of processes in whatever way we can, but also that vital importance that people will always have in any business. And certainly as we've talked today, Wes, uh, in the investment that Haribo is making here in the state of Wisconsin and in the United States. Boy, we've covered a lot of territory today. Big data, analytics, RC cars, your huge investment you're making, not just in your 300 plus million dollar plant that's going in in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, but huge investments in the world of education, huge investments in uh, your partnerships here in Southeastern Wisconsin. So let me be among the first, probably not the first, to uh, to welcome Harbo to the state of Wisconsin and to thank Wes Saber, the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Haribo of America for joining us today on the Tech Ed Podcast. Wes, it's been absolutely wonderful to spend some time with you this morning, and we are so happy to have you here in the state of Wisconsin. Likewise. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I'm very excited and honored to be with you today. And thank you again so much for being with us. For that and for this week, that is the end of our Tech Ed Podcast, a very lively and interesting discussion with Wes Saber. Thank you so much for being with us, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.